Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. The best partners don't just talk, they dig in. Syngenta doesn't just talk about their commitment to helping you grow your best potato crop. They back it up with a dedicated team and comprehensive product solutions for the challenges you face every day. And as the needs of the industry change, Syngenta helps you stay ahead. Talk to your Syngenta sales rep to learn more or visit syngenta.ca slash agronomy slash potato. Welcome everyone. My name is Dylan Shirley and I'll be your host for this week's episode. Today I'm joined by Ryan Barrett. He is the research agronomy specialist with PI Potato Board. Ryan, welcome to Tuber Talk. Thanks, Dylan. For this week's podcast, we're going to be taking uh, a bit more serious topic at hand, and that is the ongoing uh, potato wart issue that's been occurring in PI over the last uh, few months now. And we'll get the insight from Ryan here in just a bit. But before we get on to that, what's lay down the groundwork and figure out uh, what actually is causing all the issue uh, that's been going on. So Ryan, what is potato wart? And could you go over perhaps a brief history of potato wart in Atlanta, Canada? Sure. So potato wart is a, um, is a fungal disease, a fungal pathogen that can reside in the soil for an extremely long period of time. Evidence seems to show that it co-developed along with potatoes in South America, where some uh, potatoes are from. It really only affects potatoes. um, And it moved around with exportations of potatoes over the years. Um, It's been known in in, uh, South America and in uh, Europe and other places for a longer period of time. But in Canada, uh, it was first detected in uh, Newfoundland, uh, which is not much of a potato producing province. It, it's uh, uh, mostly just provides potatoes for their own, you know, for their own use in Newfoundland. But uh, as a result, uh, Newfoundland was closed to um, export of potatoes outside of Newfoundland for, because of the detection of potato wart. Then potato wart was found in Prince Edward Island for the first time in 2000. Um, and then since then, there's been uh, a management plan put in place to try and restrict the, the spread of potato wart and both within PEI and outside of PEI um, and to some monitoring and, and, and uh, cleaning and disinfection, all those sorts of things in terms of um, preventing the spread. Um, potato wart, it's, it's sort of a bit of a different type of a beast in that it, uh, as I say, it the resting spores of potato wart can last in the soil undisturbed for, you know, 40 or 50 years. Um, and you only need a handful of spores to um, germinate when there's in the presence of potatoes and cause the disease. But um, despite it being very long lasting and long living, um, it doesn't tend to spread really easily. So, and it doesn't spread very, very fast in, in a field either. So often when it's found in a field, it's only found in like one corner of one little spot. 
and it's not found all over the place. So uh, that, again, that makes it a little easier to control the disease, but it also, you know, as, you, as I said, like, you know, we can have a field that maybe hasn't been in potato production for a long time, uh, and it's and it has never been found, and maybe they planted potatoes in a, a wet spot where they hadn't planted potatoes before, and then they can find potato wart. And, um, you know, the, some of the first detections of potato wart and PEI, when they did the investigation and the tracing and the soil testing, um, you know, these were fields that had been consolidated, say two or three fields consolidated into one field, and maybe part of that field used to be part of an old homestead. And they're thinking that the potato wart came from, say, um, either uh, somebody's compost bin where they, where they had brought potatoes from somewhere else, or possibly like their home garden or something like that. So um, yeah, it, it can come from very innocuous uh, sources. Um, and actually where, you know, where they found potato wart in some other places like the United States in the past, it's often been associated with like people's home gardens and that sort of thing. Fascinating. <laughs> Just the idea that if you, you bring it into your host, that doesn't mean that it's not going to impact everyone else around you. So you were kind of talking about um, management plans and kind of monitoring and all that stuff. Uh, being a part of the potato board, are you guys a part of that or is this in the hands of the CFI or the Canadian Food Inspection Agency? Right. So um, as I said, since about 2000, there's been development of, the, of a management plan to manage um, potato wart and PEI because it is a quarantine pest. So uh, when it's found, you know, we have to quarantine the fields where it's found and then also try and track whether there's risk of spread or whether there could be other associated fields. That was a management plan that was put together uh, by CFIA, uh, as well as the province of Prince Edward Island and the Potato Board. Um, and uh, all, all three of those groups had, you know, input in terms of creation and, and updating of that plan over the years, but it's, it's primarily administered by CFIA. Um, but then the province of PEI does have a, like the Department of Agriculture has a role in terms of assisting with um, cleaning and disinfection, because a big part of the plan is um, for high risk fields that may be in some way connected to a, a past potato work find, like, you know, the field that was, say, um, harvested after the field with potato wort. It may not have potato wort and they may not have detected potato wort, but it's still um, risk, it's still classified as, a, you know, a potential a field for surveillance, a field at risk. So there's uh, there's protocols around cleaning and disinfecting of material and, and you know, who can access the field and, and even just cleaning and disinfection of people's boots and um, also, um, you know, what the potatoes that were grown in those fields, where they can go, what they can be used for. Uh, they can't leave PEI. Um, so it's around, you know, just the how potatoes are moved. There's also, um, you know, the processors that, that use those potatoes then have to have compliance agreements about making sure that, you know, cull potatoes or tear soil don't go back on to other fields, you know, the, where, where they could spread potentially spread infection. So they either have to go to like a, a biodigester or, uh, you know, a lot of the tear soil just goes to a pit, that sort of thing. So th there's a lot of parts to this just to make sure that we aren't uh, spreading uh, uh, potato wort as much as possible. 
makes sense. So we'll probably get into this a little bit more with respect to what's currently happening. But do we have any kind of past economic values or yield loss numbers that are associated with uh, potato wart outbreak infections? So again, with potato wart, it so it makes potatoes unmarketable. It's not a risk to human health. It's not a risk uh, that way, but it makes potatoes un, unmarketable because it just makes these sort of growthy masses on them. They're very obvious when you see them, like the symptoms are very obvious and they don't really look like anything else. Um, and uh, so when you, when you see it, you, you kind of know what it is or the or pathologist knows what it is. Um, however, as I said too, we don't tend to actually see it a lot in the field. So it isn't like, you know, um, scab or, or rhizotonia or something that, you know, uh, it, it would compromise the whole crop or say you'd lose 10% of a whole crop and that comes with an economic value. The economic loss is, is that um, once you find it, well, then all the potatoes in that field are either, you know, destroyed or they have to go immediately for processing. You have to, you know, either take that field out of potato production or um, at least for a certain amount of time you do. Uh, and then if it does go back into production, there's very strict rules around that. And again, it has to only be used for processing, can't be used for seed and table. Um, nothing can move off of PEI, you know, so that it, it really restricts what can be done in those fields. And some of those fields have been taken out of production completely. Um, so then, you know, for the farmer, uh, you know, they've lost valuable land that, you know, can't be used for potatoes. And, and then, you know, all their other fields that may be in some way connected are going to be under surveillance. So there's definitely additional costs with that. Um, rather than, you know, necessarily just crop loss, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, a, a cost to the, to the system, a cost to the farmer. You know, no farmer wants to find potato wart or be associated with potato wart on their fields. Definitely way more nuanced than just simply looking at, you know, what kind of yield that you can get off your field. And definitely the phrase, one bad apple ruins the bunch comes to mind. Mm. So now that you've laid a, a wonderful background for what potato ward is and the seriousness of finding it at all uh, in a field, let's go back to October of last year. And uh, could you take me through just the early stages of how this uh, potato wart uh, outbreak was identified? So October 1st and October 14th, there was two um, findings of uh, potato wart from visual symptoms uh, in two processing fields. Um, these fields were um, previously associated with past potato wart findings. So um, they were in like there was some connection between those fields and previous fields where there'd been potato work found. Um, so now again, that connection, um, we're not saying that they necessarily got potato work from those other fields because it's really hard to know that. And I know the, the investigation on CFAA is still under underway, but those fields were uh, their processing fields. They weren't fields where the potatoes were gonna leave PEI. Uh, and, uh, and they were sort of already under surveillance. So in a way, um, it kind of proves that the, the plan is doing what it's supposed to be doing in terms of, you know, being able to, you know, we, we're doing the sampling, we're doing the, the, the surveillance of these fields. And if there is a potential for a problem, it's being caught. Um, 
so at the time, you know, there has been uh, four or five different times over the last 20 years where potato wort has been found. And then they'll do an investigation and maybe they'll find a couple more fields associated with that field. But they're always, you know, in terms of the actual number of finds, it's only been four or five times over 20 years where we found, you know, potato wort. It just happens to be like, okay, that there, you know, there was one guy's field that might have had potato wort in it for the last hundred years unbeknownst to him. And then, you know, it went into, you know, maybe it spread to a couple other fields that he uh, also farms. But um, th that, that's, as I said, it, that's kind of how it's been uh, manifested over the last number of years. But the fact that uh, there was these two findings this year, as well as there was a, there was a potato work detection from uh, a soil sample in 2020, um, which uh, also um, got people a little bit spooked, even though there was never any detection in the potatoes in that field. And, uh, and there was actually, when they went back to retest it again, they couldn't find it. So, um, you know, that one ended up being pretty, um, you know, pretty minor, but it's still any finding of potato work gets people, you know, especially gets the Americans a bit uh, on edge. So um, CFIA uh, notified uh, the Americans uh, that there was these findings. And then in November, uh, there was a suspension of seed potatoes uh, to the United States, but there was also, we started hearing that CFIA was um, not certifying export uh, um, paperwork to some other countries as well, even countries that didn't necessarily, um, you know, they didn't close the borders, but CFIA uh, said that they couldn't certify uh, export to some of these countries, which then, you know, it started sort of the dominoes falling and then by November 21st, we have um, the ministerial order, which halts the movement of seed potatoes uh, within Canada. Um, and, uh, and then there's also a, you know, the uh, export restrictions around the United States for both fresh and table, which again, um, we've dealt with short-term uh, seed uh, export restrictions in the past and being that you know, with seed, you know, there is the movement of seed and the seed that can carry some soil with it. So it's a little bit more understandable that, you know, you have to work through that and you have to, you know, there's testing required and that sort of thing. But with seed, with fresh potatoes, with table stock potatoes or fresh for processing potatoes, these potatoes are sprout nipped and, uh, and washed. And the risk of spreading any potato wart with these potatoes is, you know, next to zero is, is pretty much negligible. So the fact that there was a, a closure to that took our, our industry very much by surprise. And that's what we've been really working hard on here in the last number of weeks is to try and reverse that decision, working with CFAA and the federal government and our provincial government and anybody that'll work with us to try and uh, get that turned around. Right. So I take it just so going over what you just said in the fact that fresh potatoes have such a extra process of handling and making sure that they're clean, you don't find that the actions from uh, CFIA, you didn't find them as justified, I, I, I feel. Yeah. And so it's important to kind of to, to note. So CFIA took the actions that they did based on the fact that 
they believe that the United States would put in federal orders themselves, and those federal orders would be potentially hard to turn around, uh, you know, hard to hard to reverse. So that's the reason that CFIA has has made those um, decisions, and CFIA has repeated many times that they also agree that there is negligible risk uh, for the spread of potato wort through fresh potatoes. So they have been uh, campaigning to, with us to help get that open. Now, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get into the politics about um, whether, you know, those were the right decisions to make or what's the best way out of this. But it seems very clear to us here at the Potato Board and then the potato industry that this is not simply a, um, a scientific or phytosanitary issue uh, for the Americans. Um, they have a history uh, in multiple commodities and multiple, and especially in potatoes. If there's an opportunity to use an issue like this to, um, <laughs> to close the border or to restrict movement, they've often taken it in the past. And once again, um, you know, uh, they've restricted uh, movements in ways that are probably un, not very justifiable. Um, there's pro there, there would be more justification if they're very careful and cautious and they say, we need to see more investigation around seed potatoes. While that's disappointing and while that's frustrating, there, there's probably more justification for that. But for fresh and processing potatoes, there's really no justification for that because the United States also has quarantined areas for other soil-borne pathogens like potato cyst nematode and golden nematode and, 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 and other things like that. And they follow the same sorts of management plans, not exactly the same, but they also have management plans around quarantine fields and cleaning and disinfecting. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, seed from those areas is restricted, but, um, but um, fresh potatoes, if they're washed and, spr and sprout nipped, you know, is not a concern. And so the fact that they are able to export to Canada and other places with those rules when we cannot uh, at the moment is, is a bit of a double standard and it's hard to justify. That's very unfortunate to hear that the, the U.S. is playing a weird, weird game and uh, it's affecting, you know, not only their ability to get Canadian potatoes, but obviously also our potato growers that have, you know, they, they aren't able to ship out any of their, uh, any of their crop at the end of the year. That's really bad to hear. So we have, you know, and again, um, the the U.S. market uh, represents about forty percent of our fresh uh, business, and the fresh business in PEI is about thirty percent of our, our of our total acreage, something like that. Um, we're about sixty percent processing, thirty percent table, and ten percent seed. So right now, um, forty percent of the thirty percent can't go to the normal markets, which is a fairly big chunk of potatoes. Uh, and then all of our seed is, is restricted. So any seed uh, movement to any province and, and any, uh, in any other country at the moment is, is also uh, restricted. So, um, you know, it, sometimes we've heard, well, it's, it's, you know, it's still not the majority of acres. It's, you know, it's not, it's not the be all and end all, but, and there are individual growers that this doesn't affect very much, but then there are individual growers where a hundred percent of their, crop goes to the United States or hundred percent of their crop is seed and is, you know, severely impacted by these sorts of um, decisions. 
And then even for the growers that are fortunate enough to be able that are they are selling potatoes, like so they're selling potatoes within Canada or they're exporting to other countries. Um, all of this uncertainty, all of this challenge has brought the price of potatoes down quite a bit. Um, so the fresh market price for um, you know, for island producers has probably dropped by, you know, 25 to 30% or so in the in the last two to three months. And so, you know at a time of rising costs and rising inflation, everything, you know, to have uh, growers, you know, uh, returns going back that much, you know, at or below the cost of production is, is also a challenge. So, you know, even if you're able to ship potatoes, you're not getting as much for them now as you were last year. And it also affects growers in other provinces, you know, the, the table stock producers in Ontario and Quebec and, and in the Brunswick and other provinces that, that ship potatoes, well, if they can get potatoes for cheap in PEI because, you know, people need to move them and, and it impacts, there's a surplus now of, of table stock potatoes because there's all these potatoes that can't go to the United States, then that drives down the price for everybody. So, you know, um, you know, to no fault of their own, no fault of PEIs, but also no fault of their own, you know, a table stock grower in Ontario or Quebec could be making less money for their potatoes because of this, because of these challenges far more connected than I imagine a lot of people uh, kind of just glancing at the news can even fathom this, mm-hmm. uh, this whole thing going. So speaking of financial uh, and just perhaps throwing money at the issue uh, later in December, the federal government announced 28 million in relief with respect to the data work crisis. Um, could you just talk about potentially first the pros of this, like how, beneficial is this amount of money for growers? So we just ended up getting a bit more clarification on this um, funding this week. So there was a, a further announcement that you're first to this week of the, the, the money from the federal government, the $28 million is also being um, uh, added to by the province of Prince Edward Island with an additional $12 million to have a destruction program uh, of somewhere around $40 million. And it's being administered by the PEI Potato Board with uh, the money from those two partners. And it is around, we know now that um, even if the borders open tomorrow, which you know doesn't look that likely, but even if they did, there's still going to be a pile of potatoes here in PEI that aren't going to have a home. Like we've lost two and a half months of the shipping season. So there just isn't time uh, to, to move all those potatoes. And so uh, we are... Potatoes are perishable. They, you know, they have limited limited shelf life. Some varieties we can keep till the summer, but some varieties we can't. Um, so there's going to be a need to destroy some product as much as we don't want to. Um, so the federal government program has also set aside money towards having potatoes go to um, food banks and uh, food security organizations and that sort of thing. And those shipments have already started. Um, and there's PEI potatoes going all across the country to um, Second Harvest and Salvation Army and different um, different food banks and food service organizations, um, and that's great. And and those you know those potatoes are going and and the farmers are getting paid for those potatoes as well as there's assistance on freight and that sort of thing. But when it comes to actually destroying potatoes, you know um, there's a need for that to happen very quickly because. 
that has to happen in the wintertime when it's, you know, we have freezing temperatures so that the potatoes, when they're put outside, they will freeze uh, they so that they will not regrow next year um, because that can be a threat to um, biosecurity, a threat to, um, you know, multiplying diseases, all those sorts of things. So we need those potatoes to break down, which means we need to um, destroy them, chop them up, break them down and have them freeze uh, in the wintertime. So uh, this program is going to uh, lead to, in, the, in fairly short order, uh, the destruction of, of potatoes here on PEI, mostly put through snowblowers um, or, or something that's going to kind of help chop up those potatoes and put them on fields and let them um, break down uh, and uh, freeze here in the, in the wintertime. So the current program as it's structured is goes till the end of February and it's going to pay about eight and a half cents uh, a pound uh, for um, growers that wish to participate in the program. There's no mandatory you know, participation. Growers have, are gonna be applying to us of what volume of potatoes they, they want to have included in the program. And then you know, there's verification on, on those. Uh, the, we're working with crop insurance here to measure people's bins, measure people's you know, inventories, and then monitor uh, the destruction. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's going to be happening here soon. But unfortunately, you know, eight and a half cents is something. Um, and, and, you know, our industry is grateful to the governments of Canada and Prince Edward Island for stepping up with some of this funding. Um, but eight and a half cents doesn't even cover the cost of production for most growers. You know, like it's, it helps. Um, it's better than nothing. Uh, it's better than having to destroy these with no value. But we're not at the, even at the cost of production, uh, you know, cost production for a lot of varieties and a lot of sectors. So for say, say table stock, it's probably closer to 12 cents a pound uh, for seed, uh, you know, seed, the cost of production could be anywhere from 18 to 24, 25 cents because, you know, seed has a lot more, um, there's a lot more costs associated with um, managing seed and managing viruses and those sorts of things, as well as, you know, usually the yields aren't quite as high on seed because you're trying to control size profile and, and, and those other things. So, um, you know, it helps, uh, but it's far from making these producers whole. Um, and, uh, and, and, that's, and that's a worry as growers are trying to think about, okay, am I going to plant a crop next year or am I going to plant the same size of crop or what am I going to plant or just how am I going to manage? How am I, going to get enough, uh, you know, how am I going to have my line of credit or how am I going to have the funds available to, to get my crop planted next year, especially when, you know, the cost of fertilizer is going up and the cost of crop protectors is going up and the price of everything's going up right now. So, um, you know, that is, it's a start, it's a help. The growers, I think, are, are appreciative of the help, but it's, it's not enough. Do you think that perhaps maybe later on this year there could be another influx of money that could go to addressing this? Because yeah, eight and a half cents compared to what you were saying, 24 cents for seed potato, that's you know, that's exactly a third of the cost for production. That's that's definitely not enough for uh trying to make buy. Yeah, it's it's a bit early to say. I'm not uh involved in a lot of those conversations. Uh, I'm, I'm doing more on the grower uh, communication side and trying to, 
you know, help growers with their questions, that sort of thing. We have some, some of my colleagues are more involved in, in working with the government and working with CFAA on, on these types of programming. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where that's gonna be down the road. Um, what we did tell them right now is that, you know, we have growers that need to make some decisions right now. And there's some inventory right now that needs to be destroyed or disposed of. And so, um, you know, there, there is the ability, some of it will go for cattle feed, um, which is an option as well, because we have, you know, especially some of the feedlots and stuff, PEI can use potatoes as a, as a feed source. So some of it will go for that. Um, you know, we are trying to get as many different markets as we can. So, you know, in a, aside from the food banks and that sort of stuff, uh, trying to increase our shipments across Canada, trying to look at other opportunities, other export markets. We're trying to be creative. I think the exporters and the dealers and everybody here is trying to be as creative as we can and trying to, you know, find homes for as many potatoes as we can without destroying them. Um, there are PEI potatoes, the PEI processing potatoes that are leaving the island and going all the way to Alberta to, uh, for, to a French fry plant in Alberta because they are short of potatoes out there. Um, so, you know, that's positive as well. Um, but it's still all, all those positive things still end up with a, a, a pile of potatoes um, that don't have a home. So we, we have to try and do what we can to, to manage that. Right. A bunch of positives, but with one, you know, giant elephant negative in the room uh, that kind of caused all these uh, issues. So one last thing, just before we kind of look to how the situation's currently, um, back at the end of December, uh, CFI started our national seed potato survey. Um, could you go over what the results are and just kind of the in interpretation of you know, what this means or what it meant at that time? Yeah, so CFIA did uh, a bunch of soil surveying of fields across Canada, um, just trying to uh, ascertain is, is, is there potato wort anywhere else in Canada? And particularly, they were looking at fields that may have had some connection to Prince Edward Island in the past. And again, just trying to kind of ascertain, okay, from soil sampling, did we find any uh, other potato wort uh, anywhere else? And, uh, and, you know, to try and, you know, justify uh, and try and, you know, confirm that our management plan is working uh, and that we aren't spreading potato ward anywhere else. And that hopefully that puts some um, trust in, in the system that we have. So that surveying was done and the testing was completed and they were able to share there just shortly before the holidays that um, of all their testing across Canada, which included a number of fields in PEI, uh, but also included fields across the country that um, no detections of potato wort were found. So, you know, that is quite, uh, that's quite a positive development in terms of, uh, you know, it, it adds credence to the fact that, you know, our, our, our uh, program does seem to be working. Um, there's never been potato wort detected anywhere else in North America or anywhere that we sell potatoes to in PEI. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, encouraging and hopefully that will add to our case as we um, you know go further down the road in terms of trying to open uh, U.S. border as well as open the rest of Canada for, for seed shipments. So that kind of leads me on to what the current development is uh, within this crisis in 2022. Do we have any kind of timeline for when uh, PI potatoes are allowed to be exported to different areas within the country or even to the U.S.? 
So just to clarify, um, we are able to send PEI potatoes from non-regulated uh, fields across Canada for table stock. So, you know, um, that hasn't stopped. There may, there's a few other uh, rules around um, just making sure that those potatoes are from fields that aren't, you know, associated with any potato wart investigation. Um, and, and there's also some rules around, again, cleaning and disinfecting and um, washing and sprout inhibition. But, you know, most potatoes that leave PEI are washed and sprout inhibited anyway. Um, so that's uh, hasn't been a major challenge. Um, you know, there'd be certain farms that maybe have particular fields that are, you know, in that broader investigation, which then maybe those some of those potatoes are can't move or they can't move to certain places or so there's a, there's a little bit more uh, paperwork and a little bit more uh, work that needs to be done on those. But generally, our shipments across Canada have been. Uh, the same or higher uh, this year than last year. Um, so, uh, you know, we still have PEI fresh potatoes moving across the country. And as I said, there's also processing potatoes going out west to a, a processing plant out in Alberta. Um, where there is a restriction is on seed movement uh, to anywhere in Canada and the United States from PEI. And then uh, fresh and processing, or fresh for processing potatoes going to the United States is currently restricted. So the, the most recent developments are what was in the news there uh, the week before last around um, Minister Bebo and Minister McCauley going down to Washington and meeting with the US Secretary of Agriculture and representatives of USDA APHIS and um, trying to get some um, movement on, uh, on reopening of borders in the United States. It appears that they have a uh, a bit more of an agreement on Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is one of the single biggest uh, markets for PEI potatoes. Uh, and um, it's Puerto Rico is uh, controlled by the United States, but it's not a state, uh, but it's uh, under the, under the rules of the United States and USDA. So that market was closed, even though Puerto Rico buys 80 to 90% of its potatoes from PEI. Uh, and they don't grow potatoes there. Um, so there'd be, you know, next to no risk of, of you know, potatoes going there. Because even if there was potato work that ever went on a shipment, which would be almost zero chance, but even if it did, they don't grow potatoes in Puerto Rico. So, um, you know, uh, it doesn't really make sense to keep that border closed. So there was a commitment uh, from USDA and the Secretary of Agriculture to prioritize uh, table stock movement and particularly table stock movement to uh, Puerto Rico. We're hoping to hear some good news about that uh, in the very near future. Um, and then they're then trying to then prioritize table stock movement to the rest of the continental United States. And uh, so our hope is that that will also uh, follow fairly quickly. And we've been, you know, really encouraging and supporting the minister and the federal and the, you know, the, the government of Canada to do everything they can to hold the Americans' feet to that timetable and uh, and and keep things rolling and do everything we can to support them to provide them with any data that they need and any reassurances that they need that PEI potatoes are safe. There is you know almost zero chance of uh, risk of spreading potato wart uh, and uh, and that we have you know we have this under control or we have this managed. Uh, and so that we can get, you know, normalization of trade as soon as possible. So 
taking this all back a little bit, I understand we're still going through all this, but what are some of the big takeaways that PI growers, yourself on the potato board, the federal government, what, what lessons have been learned just by going through all this over the last four months? Well, uh, it's probably a little early for the debrief and the, and the sort of the lessons learned segment. We still have a lot left to go. Uh, and I think our focus is primarily on everything we can do to get the borders open. Our experience has been that there's some, been some real challenges with communications, uh, primarily with regards to CFIA. Um, CFAA notifies the USDA about, you know, findings of potato work. But on the, on the American side, they may have overreacted uh, to, to what, you know, the, what the challenges were. And there may have even been some overreaction within our own um, regulatory uh, folks here as well in terms of the degree of the, of the investigation and the degree of the severity and the risk of potato work. Just because two fields were found with potato work in PEI doesn't mean the PEI is full of potato work. Um, it, and so um, some of this communication, some of this um, change in how export certificates were, uh, were done in PEI, you know, for the last 20 years, we've still had lots of people exporting potatoes from PEI um, because they were in areas and in fields that had absolutely no connection with potato work. And besides, a lot of those uh, fields, if, depending on where they were shipping to, they also had to do additional soil testing uh, before they shipped any potatoes for potato work. And those fields were, were clear and no, no detections. And they, so they were assumed with you know, negative tests and with uh, uh, no history of potato work, you know, those fields were deemed to be pest-free. And so they were able that those potatoes were able to be exported. That all seemed to change this year. And we haven't really understood why that changed, uh, why the approach differed. And then because that seemed to change, that led to a bunch of dominoes falling and I think kind of led to where we're at today. So um, there, there definitely is some, there's going to need to be some work to determine how do we define pest-free status in PEI? Um, do we need to make any changes to the potato work management plan? Do we need to make any changes to how things are regulated here just to ensure that this never happens again? Like, you know, the management plan was put in place to prevent this from happening again. You know, like the border was closed in 2000. It led to a huge amount of, uh, disruption for our industry and a huge amount of financial loss for a lot of producers. And, you know, the take-home message at that time was we can't let this happen again. And so for the last 20 years, there has been the occasional finding of potato work, but it's always been monitored and managed under the, under the plan. And it hasn't led to those border closures. It's, you know, not every potato in PEI can leave uh, PEI. There are restrictions on fields, there's restrictions on movement of uh, seed and movement of equipment. You know, we've had to bring in, you know, used to be that you could sell potatoes to the United States that were just, you know, dry brushed and not inhibited. That you can't do that anymore. You know, like those were changes that were brought into place. Changes that generally make sense, make scientific sense. So, you know, we've had to adapt and change over time. Now we are faced with the fact that 
well, then the border is closed. And why is it closed? And why is it still closed? And how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? Because it's it's just too devastating on the industry to have the threat of, well, you know, your biggest trading partner can just close the border at any time. Um, and often for less than justifiable reasons. And so we're going to need to work with the government and CFIA and whoever we can to really strengthen this process and, and find ways to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Because, you know, um, there are farms that are under severe financial distress uh, because of this. And, and not just financial stress, but mental health distress. You know, just the stress on people right now, I see it in their faces when I hear it when I'm talking to them. You know, they don't, they just don't know how to manage. They don't know how, you know, I know growers that haven't moved a single potato yet this growing season. Um, and it's just, it's so much worry. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to keep my staff employed? How, you know, am I going to have the money to plant another crop next year? Do I have to look at planting something different? Like, yeah. Do I have to cancel my order for a new tractor or a new potato digger? And then that has knock on, you know, effects on everybody else that affects the dealers. It affects the fertilizers, you know, companies, it affects the seed suppliers. It affects, the people that sell pickup trucks, it affects, you know, it affects the employees of our farms, you know, like it affects lots of people in our community. Potato, the in agriculture in general is the largest industry in PEI and potatoes make up about half of farm gate receipts in, in agriculture and PEI. So it is a huge income generator on in our province, a huge, um, you know, uh, employer in our province. And you know, to have this level of disruption uh, in the industry, it just the the knock on effects to everyone is is, is immense. Definitely. And last point here, um, could you just go over some support resources that are available for PI growers? I I very much like how you touched on this. Isn't just a financial thing anymore for growers this has now become much more and why people's mental health has also plummeted in part to this so are what resources are available for growers so the provincial government has been very focused and very supportive of anything around mental health resources for farmers as well as the PEI Federation of Agriculture. So the PEI Federation of Agriculture runs a program um, known as the Farmer Assistance Program, which provides uh, free counseling uh, for uh, farmers and farm employees. And that's been going for a while now. That's been going for several years now, but the provincial government has provided additional resources uh, to support uh, that process and to make sure that Farmers that need someone to talk to, that need, um, you know, they need a ear to talk to, they need mental health resources, that those resources are there. So, um, you know, PEI farmers can can go to, I think the website is just farmerstalk.ca, and there's uh, links to all the available resources uh, there through the Farmer Assisting Program, as well as uh, other resources. Um, in addition, uh, the province has also uh, recently re uh, announced just some changes to um, the uh, agri uh, stability uh, and crop insurance uh, rules here in PEI, which hopefully will also make it easier for farms to access agri stability um, 
business risk management funding uh, for um, for during this crisis as well. Um, so uh, th there'll be more to see on that here in the next little while. But um, I, I can't say enough about how great a partner the province of Prince Edward Island has been in this process. Like right from the get go, they they ponied up you know sufficient funding to to help you know with the strategy and the and the planning and the the, the most immediate needs. They've now also committed money on, uh, on, on this destruction program and on, you know, mental health resources on, um, the agri-stability funds. So, and, and beyond that, like just, you know, our minister of agriculture, Boyce Thompson, our premier Dennis King, like they've just been terrific to work with. Um, and, and they've been huge supporters. They know how important the potato industry is to PEI. They know how much it contributes to the province's economy. And uh, they know that this isn't the growers' fault. These decisions were made outside of their control and, and they need help uh, to, to do this. And so then they've also been doing a great job of advocating to the federal government on our behalf as well. And then, you know, now we're seeing, you know, Federal Minister of Agriculture, Mr. Bebo, has said, you know, very... Uh, strong statements and of support for the for our industry and um, you know showing that you know going to Washington and meeting the people that need to be, be talked to um, you know that shows support for the industry as well and um, so hopefully hopefully all these efforts bear fruit uh, and that we see some you know we see some progress here in the fairly near future. Well thank you Ryan for joining me today on a very informative dissection of what's been going on in PEI where can people find you if they want to contact you personally or uh, look to the news coming from the, the potato board? Sure. I'm on Twitter at uh, rbarrettpei, and I uh, will, uh, I mostly tweet about uh, agronomy and research and, and, you know, other things, but uh, if they want to talk to me or want to reach out to me, they can, they can get me there. Uh, we also, PEI Potatoes is on Twitter as well, and we're also on Facebook. Um, we, uh, I have an research and agronomy site, which is peipotatoagronomy.com, where we post results of a, a lot of our different um, research and agronomy trials and, and uh, uh, different meetings that we have. Uh, I have a podcast, uh, speaking about podcasts today, uh, we have a podcast that's fairly agronomy focused, and it usually goes out uh, once a week. It's called Spud Chat, and it's available uh, wherever good podcasts are found. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's probably the main ways to get a hold of us. And I would, the last thing I would say, uh, Dylan, just before we close is I want to, to all other uh, Canadian potato growers that may be listening or, or uh, people in the potato industry, you know, PEI needs your support as well. Um, as I said before, this isn't just a PEI problem. If the United States can close the border to PEI over this, they could easily do the same to another province on something else. If they find PCN somewhere, they find another disease somewhere, they could easily close the border to somebody else. And we all really need to stick together. Uh, we need to stick together as a Canadian industry, stand up for each other. These have knock-on effects, as I said, like the fact that, you know, um, PEI, you know, the border closure in PEI can mean that you know, fresh market prices decrease in Ontario, and that has an effect on Ontario growers or, you know, or Western growers. So um, it's not, you know, we live in a very connected world. We live in a very connected country, and we really need everybody's support um, to, to keep things rolling. And, and to, it's, it's to our benefit, uh, to all of our benefit, that we get this resolved as soon as possible, and that we have more certainty uh, going into the next season as to 
what acres are going to be grown and where, who they're going to be grown for. Definitely. And hopefully next time we get to talk, it's, we're not, you know, delving into another crisis and it's just all a little bit more of an uplifting uh, topic at hand. So again, thank you, Ryan, for joining me today. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com slash podcast.